uh, needing help in hearing and speaking, friends, we would direct your prayerful attention to the book of the prophet Zechariah, chapter 13, and the first verse. Prophecy of Zechariah, chapter 13, verse 1. In that day there shall be a fountain opened to the house of David and to the inhabitants of Jerusalem for sin and for uncleanness. In that day there shall be a fountain opened to the house of David and to the inhabitants of Jerusalem for sin and for uncleanness. The prophet Zechariah prophesied uh, around 500 years before the birth of Christ. And you will find in this prophecy, friends, uh, there are different aspects that he uh, prophesies. Clearly we have those regarding uh, the death of the Lord Jesus Christ. And clearly also we have those regarding Judah and Jerusalem and that the Lord's people will be watched over in times of uh, trouble, in times of uh, those enemies coming against them. It is said that the book is really divided into two parts, chapters 1 to 8 and then 9 through to 14. Some have even suggested that the prophet did not write the later chapters. We leave that, friends. But this we do know, that uh, there is much depth in the the book and uh, there's much for us to prayerfully consider. Uh, but certainly he covers the sufferings of Christ uh, in the fo- some of the final chapters. And he also speaks of the enemies that will come against Jerusalem. And some have suggested that indeed here there is that recorded for the final days when the enemies uh, will get uh, to Jerusalem. Well, friends... Uh, The interesting thing for me, to some degree, about Zechariah is the meaning of his name in the Hebrew. And it means this, God remembers. And I would say to the young friends here tonight, God does remember. It's the name of Zechariah and it's his meaning, uh, but friends, he remembers everything. He remembers all things that ever I did, says one. He's told me all things. He remembers, he knows, he does not forget. You and I have a tendency of whatever age to forget God. But he does not forget his people. Whom once he loves, he always loves. He loves them to the end, but he cannot forget them. And there are two sides to this God remembers. There is one that he remembers, and we'll come to that a little later, our uncleanliness and our sins against us. He remembers them for a period. We'll come to that. But also, and he notes those sins, we cannot get away 
Friends, it comes to my mind, be sure your sin will find you out, because it will before the Lord. Not Maybe not before man, but before the Lord it will. But then there is this, uh, that, uh, that he remembers us in the deep waters, the troubles, the afflictions, and the trials that he calls, calls us to walk in. So, friends... And we take that away, Zachariah, God remembers. What a star. Well, we come to our text. In that day, three words. You will find that regularly quoted in these last few chapters. Uh, we read it in chapter 12. In that day, verse 3. In that day, verse 4. In that day, verse 6. In that day, verse 11. So on. In that day. But here in the verse we read, in that day shall be a fountain opened. In that day. Which day is that day? This is the day. There's two days here, I believe, are reflected. Or two types of day, shall we say. One of them is the day when the Lord Jesus offered himself up upon Calvary's cross for the dear people that he must save. When... His side was pierced. They could not break his bones because the scripture saith, none of his bones shall be broken. They couldn't break his bones, but instead the soldier pierced his side. As the hymn writer says, the soldier pierced his side, it is true. And oh, to be able to say the other line, through faith and through belief, and because we know something of these things in the heart, but we have pierced him through and through. Uh, But you see, and forthwith we read in John's Gospel, there came forth blood and water. And I do hope that we can come to speak a little of the fountain of blood and the fountain of water. And perhaps, friends, has helped to differentiate a little between the two. So, in that day, Let's think about these two types of days. So there's the day of the Saviour's death when blood and water ran out of the side of Christ. Yes, that's the day. In that day a fountain was opened. But the fountain is opened in every day when the work of conversion takes place in a sinner's heart. That's the second type of day. And it's not one day, is it, friends? You know, I was thinking, as I pondered this word, uh, you know, what a gospel day it would be in Zion today across the churches if one poor sinner, one poor sinner, today uh, is one for whom the fountain is is found and is opened. Because I believe... For each, there is a day when that fountain is to be opened for individual souls. So in that day, those first three words, let's be quite simple about this. As I see this, friends, there is that day then of the Lord Jesus Christ. And of course, he had to rise again so that the work would be complete because death is not the end. Life is the end, eternal life. So he must rise the third day. But the blood and the water that came forth out of his side, that's the day of redemption, as you were. As were. Redemption being uh, to redeem and to pay for the sins. But 
But the other one is the individual application to a poor sinner of the fountain being opened. Because I believe the sinner, living as they are, before the work of grace is in the heart, they're like this. Um, And there's two parts to this text. A word in Song of Solomon that I looked at and have pondered in this way. This is where they are, a spring shut up, a fountain sealed. It's not an open fountain. An open, a fountain that is sealed is one that is shut. Now, to the young friends, I'll just say this. Uh, when I was at primary school, I remember we used to have water fountains. We used to drink out of the water fountains. And, uh, you know, I can remember a day when I was very thirsty and I went out and all the fountains outside, uh, you used to press a button and the water would come up quite high. All the fountains had run were not working, they weren't operative, they were sealed up for that day because they were looking at the water in the school as many years ago. But you see, I thought about that, a spring shut up, a spring shut up. You know, the world will never know anything of the fountain of life. Oh, to have a desire that we might know this fountain, that it might flow for us, you see. Well... You see, it says here, a spring shut up, a fountain sealed. And those in their uh, unregenerate state, before the Lord has converted them, before the Lord has started to work in the soul, and I do accept, friends, that with some you cannot go to a particular time and place and say the work began there, like Saul on the road to Damascus, where it was so abundantly clear that the Lord had shone shone in. With some it is like that, with others it's a creeping work. We cannot point to the spot, and for some it can be quite a burden that that isn't the case. But there was a time, there was a day, you know, when you when you felt that that hope raised in your heart that Jesus was yours, that he loved you, notwithstanding all your sins, notwithstanding all uh, the things that you'd done wrong. Well, friends, you see, we read a little later in that chapter in the Song of Solomon, the fountain of gardens. Isn't it beautiful? A fountain of gardens, a well of living waters. That is when the well is opened. So that's that day, in that day there shall be a fountain opened, not shut anymore. It's opened because the work of grace is begun in the soul. The work that will be performed until the day of Jesus Christ, whether that's the day of us uh, death or the day of the Lord coming again. But friends, it will be completed. The author and the finisher of our faith we quoted in prayer. And friends, what an author we have and what a finisher. In that day there shall be a fountain opened. And you know, uh, friends, the fountain of water and the fountain then of blood. Now, you see, blood we need in our bodies, don't we? Ten percent of our body is blood, you know, uh, in, in our body weight. And we need the blood to course round our veins, don't we? To keep us alive. And we need water, friends. Even more so, actually. Because, you know, 55 to 60% of our body is water. Aren't we remarkably made? Do we ever ponder these things? God's work in creation. 
And you know, our brains are 70 odd percent, 73 I think, and our lungs 83 percent water. You think about how remarkably we have been made, friends. And therefore we need to keep ourselves, and haven't we had the warnings in our hot weather to keep ourselves uh, refreshed with drink? Yes, to keep our hydration levels up. Well, friends, we think of those things naturally as we name them. But spiritually we need the water from the well of uh, of Bethlehem. In other words, the water of the gospel from the Lord Jesus Christ. So let us just uh, try to briefly think of our thoughts regarding these two fountains. Uh, you know, there's a hymn, 155, and you might want to read it afterwards, but one of the verses says this, um, uh, uh, the fountain so dear here freely impart, unlocked by the spear, as we've touched on, it gushed from his heart with blood and with water, the first to atone. Which means really to redeem. What is redemption? What does it mean uh, for blood? Because blood is the redeeming factor. So the fountain of blood is to redeem. What does it mean to redeem? If we have a loan or a mortgage, it's paid off when we redeem it. And all that that we owe through the sin and the uncleanness at the back end of the verse that we've got, all that we owe is redeemed, it's paid for by the blood of Christ if we're his. It's completely paid for. Nothing owing. Yes. And so it says this, and then the water, what then is the function of the water? The water is to cleanse. The water is to impart life. That comes back to our point naturally, and we would be simple if we could in this, friends, that we need water for life. So we need water for eternal life. We need water for spiritual life. The fountain opened opened for sin and uncleanness, water to cleanse. Yes. So it goes on to say, with blood and with water, the first to atone, to cleanse us the latter, that is the water, and this beautiful statement, the fountains but one, water and blood in the same fountain, from the same source, the riven side of the Saviour. Oh, friends, there's a deep here. There's a depth here. And yet, how wonderful indeed is the truth in it. Uh, friends, what do you know of this fountain? You see, I thought of the fountain. Uh, there is a very high fountain at Chatworth House in Derbyshire. 300 feet high it goes. The water goes 300 feet when it's fully running. Man-made, I know. Uh, and there are also fountains, because what is a fountain? Uh, a fountain is where the water springs up. Naturally or man-made, where the water springs up. Oh, the fountain of... 
uh, the side of Christ, the water springing up to save and to cleanse. But there it comes back to it, this 300 feet in the air, this water goes. Oh, you see, it's a magnificent scene at Chatsworth House. What of the fountain of life? You know, all I could, this word kept going through my mind. It rises high. It rises high. You, you, you read the word in, in the hymn, uh, one of our hymns, and it says this, that though your mighty guilt, we've not talked about your sins yet, or our sins, friends, have we? Uh, uh, is beyond the wide creation swell uh, and, uh, but it says this an endless ocean flows of never failing grace this behold a dying saviour's veins that sacred flood increase it rises high beyond the 300 feet of man made water in the fountain the fountain uh, of Christ's blood the fountain of water to cleanse. Friends, it rises beyond anything that can be man-made, anything on the earth. It rises high and drowns the hills, has neither shore nor bound. Now if we search to find our sins, our sins can ne'er be found. You know, there was a lady called Daisy Pilgrim could say it's a suitable word, friends, her surname. She was a pilgrim, too. But she, she went to, uh, she attended one of the chapels in Sussex. She died in uh, 1986, I believe, at age 87. I remember reading her obituary not so long ago. And there wasn't a lot in it, in a sense. It wasn't a very full obituary. But what it did say was this. Uh, uh, she had this line of a hymn on her mind, not, not in our book, uh, hymn, and it said this, her sins uh, uh, have all uh, been washed away. And coming back to that day, the other thing was this, oh, happy day that fixed my choice. You know the hymn? Lovely hymn there. Oh, lovely day that fixed my choice. Well, what fixed the choice? At the fountain being opened in that day in our hearts and we looked unto Jesus for salvation. Fixed our choice. Oh, we read in another hymn that thousands make a wretched choice and rather start than come, but this day that fixed our choice. Oh, happy day that fixed my choice and on my Saviour and my God. And it goes on to say, uh, to speak of the precious blood. And uh, friend, she was, she she felt it personally. Her sins are all forgiven. Her sins are all forgiven, and she speaks of that early in her married life. How the Lord spoke to her regarding the blood. I say to you, poor soul, what have you got? What evidence is there for you in your life that the blood has been applied to your sin, uh, uh, sinful, wretched, polluted soul? What evidence is there of the blood and the water, the cleansing effect of the water and that water that imparts life? You see, both were needed. Both were needed from the side of Christ because if it had just been the blood, it would have atoned for the sin, but there would have been no life imparted for eternity. Yes. 
for he is the resurrection and the life, the life of all that live, and it's through the water, friends. Have you known the application of the water as well as the blood? Well, you might say, you might come with that, that lady of, oh, that lady, what a sinner. Got, had five husbands. The man she's now got is not a husband. And there she's going to draw water out of the well. And Jesus, being tired, he must go and say, there are, this was the day of the opening of the fountain. It's in that day, exactly in our text, in that day, it was a day to save this woman, this poor sinner, this wretched lady, who has had, she's had no husband, because he who she had was not her husband, and she'd had five before. But you see, the Lord Jesus said to her, she said, Sir, thou hast nothing to draw with, and the well is deep, and that's how it feels to the poor sinner. But there are those times when he applies a touch of the sweet well of Bethlehem to our soul. And we feel it. And friends, as I spoke naturally, that the body needs water, so does the soul. Otherwise we get dried up. And uh, friends... Uh, you know, we can get dried up with um, uh, even being, as it were, uh, with the round of service. On it goes, round it goes. A time comes to go to chapel, to church, whatever. And there it is, the time on the clock and we follow it. But friends, that time of renewing, that time of life to really feel we need the waters to flow into our soul. It's what we need, isn't it? And well, this time for this lady, uh, it was wonderful. And Jesus said, whoever drinketh of this water that we're drawn out of the well shall thirst again, but whoever drinketh of the water I shall give him shall never thirst. And that's the water uh, of, as it were, in effect, the water, the cleansing water. Now, water to cleanse, we know that under... Uh, in the numbers, it speaks of the Levitical, uh, the Levites and the Levitical dispensation there that the Levites were to wash themselves with water. They were to be pure in that way, naturally. Uh, and uh, in the Old Testament um, terms, we also know that uh, uh, the blood of bulls and of goats was. Uh, to be sprinkled as a, a sacrifice, as an offering for sin. We also know that, of course, there was the Passover when the lamb, the Paschal lamb, as it's known as, that word meaning the lamb of the Passover, had to be killed and uh, it had to be a prime lamb. It had to be one that, that would be uh, killed and, and obviously sprinkled upon the doorposts and... Uh, and uh, uh, and upon um, uh, the lintel. And, 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 and we read there, we read, friends, that then the destroying angel passed over. And so that was, as it were, a sign of uh, the Lord Jesus Christ and that fountain that would yet be opened in the New Testament, the new covenant or the new promise, as the word covenant means, made uh, through blood. Through blood. And that's the thing, friends. 
We need the application of the blood. One of our hymns, and I can't remember which one it is, it's got just those two words in it. And friends, it's this invaluable blood. Not all the blood of beasts on Jewish altar slain could give the guilty conscience ease or wash away the stain. No, it's the blood. The blood that we sang of in that lovely hymn by Joseph Irons. Friends, you know I can remember coming into Staplehurst Chapel and... uh, our dear old deacon, Ben Field, he was quite a character, really. Uh, he used to turn up at the last minute and uh, farmer-like and uh, uh, just give out the hymns in a fairly um, laid-back sort of way. But he was a dear man, you know, in the things of God. And, uh, and, uh, and, I, and I remember one Lord's Day, it would have been about 1985 six. He gave out that hymn and it end up, ended up with that couplet. We determined not to know, but a bleeding Jesus. Oh, it went straight to this poor man's heart. And I believe it was but my desire then that we would know nothing amongst men but a bleeding Jesus, bleeding for us. Yes, that's the blood, friends. You know, nature's miles away from this. We, we can't get there in nature. But to desire something of these spiritual blessings in that day, there shall be, I love the shells and wheels of Jehovah, there shall be a fountain opened to the house of David. Why is it to the house of David? Now, the house of David, of course, is a Jewish line down from David. And as we know, the Lord Jesus Christ was, was, is it himself was in that line. Friends, there were some sinners that came to know the Lord Jesus Christ in that line. We can think of Rahab. We can think of others, all sinners. But how wonderful it is that they knew something of this blood. And they knew something of this fountain. But the house of David, those who follow uh, after David's ways, what is that? To seek the Lord, to be amongst his people. I believe really the house of David and the inhabitants of Jerusalem really refers to the so-called spiritual Israel. That is those whom no man can number, who are across all generations, across uh, all uh, tribes and tongues across the world, friends. So not just the Jews, which we might think the house of David and the inhabitants of Jerusalem, who for the most part were Jews, although in the New Testament there were Gentiles and Greeks there as well, as we know. So uh, Greeks amongst the Gentiles, of course, anything not being a Jew would be a Gentile. And um, the Lord Jesus Christ, indeed, he, we read with that dear woman that came to him with that prayer, Lord, help me. She came out of the coast of Tyre and Sidon. She was a woman of Samaria. And indeed, so was a woman at the well that we've just read of. For the Jews have nothing to do with the Samaritans. So we know that this is not just for the Jews. We know that this is for the spiritual Israel. 
the spiritual followers of the Lord Jesus Christ, all tribes and tongues, friends, um, and the fountains open to those that the Lord will open their heart. We spoke this morning of the Lord knocking at the heart. We spoke of that uh, Peter continued knocking was our word, and we spoke much of prayer, but there was that knocking of the heart, and it's those where the Lord opens their heart, they will desire something of the blood and the water, water to cleanse, a blood to purify. Yes, friends, you know, there is that uh, lovely hymn, uh, there is a fountain filled with blood, drawn from Emmanuel's veins, and sinners plunged beneath that flood lose all their guilty stains. Now, I don't know where you are tonight, friends, because I want to read this last thing. It talks for sin and for uncleanness. And then it says separation for uncleanness. Well, of course, they used to separate, as we know, those that were unclean, that had the leprosy, they had to be separated from. Friends, we're all leprous souls with our sins. And you know, it doesn't matter how good we look in the house of God and I want to be right in speaking because it's lovely to see you each here. But you see, we can look religious, we can speak religious, we can be wonderful in all these things, but what is in the heart? And the Lord Jesus Christ looks upon the heart and I feel it's like this, that uh, you see, we can have sins in religious pride. Oh, we can have sins, you know, we get a little lifted up, even as servants of God. Perhaps we get an email or we get some feedback and we think, oh, I can do this. No, my friends, we can do nothing in the work of salvation. We can do nothing with the work of uh, the preaching the gospel without the Lord Jesus Christ. And sin and uncleanness, it covers it all. It should come to pass, the next verse says, In that day, saith the Lord of hosts, that I will cut off the names of the idols. I wonder if I said to you tonight, friends, and get a little blank sheet of paper and write down two or three of the things that you might idolise. I wonder if I said it to myself, what I might put on that piece of paper. You know, I do believe those dear souls that are brought to love the Lord Jesus Christ will examine themselves and they will have a look at these idols and they will desire that they will be cut off from these idols and they shall be no more remembered. Yes. Well, we would desire, you see, to be amongst that third part that's brought through the fire. Those idols and things we will come away from because the Lord will tempt and will try will cause trials and temptations and difficulties to come into the pathway, so that, as it were, our faith is tried and that, and, and that which is of our own making in our faith is burnt off. So there's just the purity of the silver and the gold that is left. That pure religion. And you know, friends, we do need our sins to be washed away, don't we? And we do need to be made clean. You know, you think of the water that's cleansing. It's so beautiful. I, I, I do love Ezekiel. He's a prophet where the Lord seemed to show him many things through visions. 
And uh, there is that lovely vision in Ezekiel 47 of the rising of the waters, the vision of the holy waters. Uh, But it ends up like the water rises and rises, doesn't it? And you will know the chapter very well as as, uh, Ezekiel was shown this vision. But the virtue of these waters, uh, uh, he, he caused me to return to the brink of the river and he said this, it should come to pass that everything that liveth with move, moveth, whithersoever the river shall come. You see, these are the fountains. Uh, whithersoever the river shall come, shall live, shall live. Yes, there shall be a very great multitude of fish because these waters shall come in thither and they shall be healed. And everything that shall live, whither the river cometh. Has the river of God's love passed through your heart, poor soul? Has it shown you your sins? Uh, and has it cleansed you uh, from them in that sense of that water cleanses? You know, you, again, let us be simple, friends. We wash our hands in water, don't we? A water is so useful for washing and cleansing. But we need that cleansing effect uh, to give us that hope for eternity. And I do believe the disciples came to know something of it. The Lord Jesus Christ said this. He poured water into a basin and he began to wash his disciples' feet and to wipe them with the towel wherewith he was girded. Then cometh he to Simon Peter. Peter Peter said to him, Lord, dost thou wash my feet? Jesus said unto him, What I do thou... Thou knowest not now, thou shalt know hereafter, Jesus said to him. And then Peter said, Thou shalt never wash my feet. Oh, friends, Jesus said this, how solemn it is and how true. If I wash thee not, thou hast no part with me. Then Simon says this, oh, what faith given to him then. Lord, not my feet only, but also my hands and my head. Wash me, Saviour, or I die. I remember as a child, those words, after a, chapel at Ma- after a service at Matfield Chapel, those words, wash me, Saviour, or I die, they went through and went through my mind. I just could not get them out of my mind, and I didn't have a clue what they meant. I believe we knew a little of what it was to pray that the Lord might show us. Well, I believe it was a few years, but friends... Wash me, Saviour, or I die. I thought, well, what does that mean? How can we, if we're going to be washed, uh, we'll die if we're not washed. What does it mean? But you see, we will die eternally if we're not washed. Oh, something to seek for, my dear young friends, that we may know what it is like, Peter, not my feet only, but my hands and my head. But those waters, to partake of those waters of life, you know, uh, in the Revelation, I think the Lord Jesus uh, speaks of um, the water of life. He showed me a pure river of water of life, clear as crystal, proceeding out of the throne of God and of the Lamb. Yes, the water of life. And he said unto me, it is done. I am Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the end. I will give unto him that is a first of the fountain of the water of life, freely. Yes, 
Are you thirsty for this fountain, poor soul? Am I thirsty that we come up to the house of God as the expression is on the stretch for a blessing? You know, I read regarding switching back again to the blood. You see these two fountains that are together, both necessary. But we go back to uh, a book I read of uh, Mr. John Broome. And that dear man, you know, he went to preach in Utrecht in, uh, in Holland. Uh, and he, and he, uh, was, he, he preached from Zechariah. I think it was the, the chapter before. This is what he preached from. As for thee also, by the blood of thy covenant, that is, the blood of thy promise, I have sent forth thy prisoners out of the pit wherein there is no water. And it was the first time he preached in Holland. Well, there was a, there was a man, an elderly man, that had gone along to this service, a Dutchman. And he said, I wanted to go and hear the English Domine. Domine meaning the name for minister. So I went to hear the English Domine and uh, out of curiosity. And he said... But the Lord met me that night. I'd been 25 years in that pit wherein is no water. And the Lord met me because I saw this by the blood of the co- thy covenant. I've sent forth uh, thy prisoners out of the pit. Oh, he said, I'm no longer a prisoner. But now feel to be a child of God. Friends, how blessed that is. And, you know, I also read a little later in that dear man's um, a book that, uh, that um, uh, on that first visit to Holland, he, he, he sat down with Gadsby's hymn book one afternoon and the Lord blessed him with the third verse of hymn 596, Redeemed, with Jesus' blood redeemed, his beauty's called to trace, no angel can be more esteemed than sinners saved by grace. Redeemed. You see, redemption, as we spoke earlier, uh, the debt all paid. What the debt all paid, we sang of that. What mighty psalm uh, was paid, it was paid, friends. All our sins, a lifetime of sins. You see, uh, Zachariah then, he says, the inhabitants of Jerusalem for sin and for uncleanness. For all sin and for all uncleanness. Friends, we're not pure, are we? But you see, when the Lord Jesus shines, we see a little of the dungeon of our heart. You know, I, I've said before, I... I, I I only occasionally gave out that hymn in the years of giving out the hymn. I I found it too cutting. 310. The dungeon. Yeah, uh, the first one. Uh, When the spirit descends to show the badness of our hearts, astonished at the amazing view, the soul with horror starts the dungeon. Now, I don't know if you friends, younger friends particularly, perhaps have been to see some of the dungeons I remember one school visit into a dungeon, dank and dark and horrid. Your heart and my heart, full of sin, full of iniquity, those thoughts, those feelings. 
It's all got to be atoned for. All got to be washed away. I'm thinking that lovely hymn. Are you washed in the blood of the Lamb? And it repeats it, doesn't it? Are you washed? Are you washed? And friends, that's the question for you and me tonight. To be washed. Because if we're washed, we're pure, we're clean, we're whole. Yes, it's beautiful, isn't it? Well, in that day there shall be a fountain opened. The fountain uh, of his precious blood. The fountain uh, that, uh, as we will sing of, cries a man of God. The fountain. Oh, yes, that, that is beyond the 300 feet that we've read of, uh, spoke of. Beyond any fountain that man can make. The scale and the preciousness of this fountain. Well... Friends, I see the time has gone. I I don't want to keep you. May we ponder this word in that day. And if we've not known that day, may we pray for it. In that day there shall be a fountain open to the house of David and to the inhabitants of Jerusalem for sin and for uncleanness. And just one thing I would say, again, our friend Ezekiel, you know, He says this, then will I sprinkle clean water upon you and ye shall be clean from all your filthiness, from all your idols will I cleanse you. Well, friends, I have to say this. Thanks be unto God for his unspeakable gift. Amen.